Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tallest, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. This year, build your credit history with the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. No credit checks to apply. Get started at Chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Chime checking account and 200 qualifying direct deposit required to apply. Welcome to In Defense of Ska. In the 80s, Boston ska band Bim Scala Bim played at a high school gymnasium in Tuba City, a small town on the Navajo Nation reservation in Arizona. They loved the experience so much they titled their sophomore album Tuba City. Our guest today is Alex Begay, who was too young to see Bim Scala Bim in the 80s, but would help build a punk and ska scene in Tuba City years later. From 1999 till 2003, he booked bands at a venue called The Crack Shack. The Crack Shack was literally an abandoned house powered by extension cords with a single light bulb hanging from the ceiling. And yet it became a touring destination. Bands that came through include Total Chaos, The Bananas, The Slackers, This Bike is a Pipe Bomb, Falling Sickness, and Link 80. This talk was monumental for me. I it's so hard to really express how how much it, playing in Tuba City was just a life-changing experience for me. Mm-hmm. And it's to to be able to like go back and discuss something that had such a big effect on me that there's really no record of online. And I've tried, I've looked all over the place to try to find information about the tuba city, like punk scene. Um, And it just doesn't exist. Um, So being able to talk to Alex about all this stuff was really, really exciting for me. I thought from their conversation, one thing that was really interesting is that, Alex and his friends, it seems like they're almost unaware of or pretty unconnected to what was happening in the 80s. Like, it's not some big legacy to them, but it's a clear indication that cool stuff happens here, you know, multi-generationally. And I I feel like that's kind of just every generation, whenever there's something cool that's happening, I feel like every generation feels like they're, they're kind of disconnected and they're the first ones that are doing it. Even if, even if that place has a history and there is a through line. I don't think a lot of young people pick up on it. For sure, yeah. And I think that uh, the scene that Alex described that you experienced, it was really fascinating to hear the details of it. I mean, it was top top five shows for me. It was so mind-blowing playing that show. I was always kind of upset that we never went back and, and made that like a regular stop on tour. Yeah. Alex... How's it going? Link 80 played a ton of shows over the years. Um, yeah. But literally the show that you booked for us at Tuba City s- still stands out in my mind as like <laughs> top top five shows. 
Uh, that's pretty cool. What What do you remember about? Because you booked us twice, but let's talk about the second time first. Okay. Um, second time you booked us, who played that show? Do you remember? Man, it's been so long. I, I am. I'm pretty sure a couple of local bands, my band, and probably the, um, spoilers from Cameron or the Ugly Kids from Cameron, one of one of their bands. Yeah, Ugly Kids definitely played. Ugly Kids were the kids that showed up. They had like dyed hair. Yeah, and so they showed up. They had their faces painted. They had crazy dyed hair. And then, what do you remember them sounding like? Uh, they're pretty just straight up um, fast punk rock. You know, a couple chords and screaming fast drums. Yeah, and just screaming. Yeah, I remember them just seeming so totally unhinged. <laughs> and and just like and then I just remember the one of them had like blue hair and he kept trying to grab my butt all night long <laughs> for the rest of the show. <laughs> oh man. It was like funny because I mean like and like flattering because it was like they were rad. So I was like yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And then Okay, and then your band played? Uh pretty yeah, I'm pretty sure we played. We, what, what was your band called again? Um, downplay downplay so what i remember you guys sounding like i remember it being like an an alternate reality version of like afi like like if if afi was all native american okay yeah how would you have described it um i don't know we played pretty fast too you know fast it's a little bit of technical chords and strumming guitar wise and some fasting and yelling, uh, you know, just just fast punk rock where it's fun. Try to get the people jumping around and hyped up. Um, I I, I wouldn't know what to compare us to. I'm not sure. Some people would say like um Pennywise kind of ish, just a little bit. Yeah, I I get that. I mean, and I felt like I felt like you guys were political, but not in the way that. I think of like a regular punk band being political. Like it was, it was, it felt centered on, on living on a reservation and centered in being native American. Correct. Uh, I, a little bit. We had, um, our singer, we didn't really have anything recorded and some of the lyrics weren't like in concrete. So we just, some of the stuff he would make up and we wouldn't know what, he's singing about sometimes he'll have his own lyrics and we never got around to recording a lot of the stuff that he wrote. And, you know, some of the songs were pretty much new. We would just like, um, make them up and then play at our next show and stuff. So yeah, it would, it would be kind of like that. Just like living on the reservation. And it's so funny to hear you say that he was like, none of the stuff was like set in concrete. Cause it seemed really polished to me like <laughs> i remember you guys playing and be like oh shit we gotta like step up our game um and i remember he <laughs> even had some banter between songs that i found really powerful and i wish i wish there was like a recording of that show so i could like go back and see what he actually said but i just remember being really moved by your guys's set and just being like jesus like this is on some next level oh nice i, I... I ho- I hope that was our band you were talking about. <laughs> no, it definitely, it definitely was. It was downplay. Yeah, right. That's what it was called. Yeah, yeah, downplay. Yeah, 
Man, it's been so long. I, I wish we had some kind of like documentary thing about it, like took more pictures, had videos. I never had a camera with me and never had any video or nothing with me. It's just all trying to remember these things. And I'm sure there's some videos and pictures flying around out there with some friends, but. I think I've seen one picture of the inside of the venue. Yeah, I got a couple on my Facebook. Um, it's a little folder. It says Crack Shack Days or something on there. So for the audience, can you describe what this venue looked like? Like, you know what the building was before it was the Crack Shack? Yeah, yeah. It, it was my house, actually. I grew up in that house, my family. No shit. And then you guys built the other one? Um, it was a like a living room, bedroom, and a kitchen. And that was it. We lived in there probably till I was like um, 10. And then we moved out to a place called Fort Defiance. We got a house made out there. Wait, so then what was the house that we were running the power from? Um, my grandma's house. Okay. We left Tuba City. Then we came back and we rented our house out to someone. And we came back to Tuba City to live at my grandma's place. And she unfortunately passed. And we just, you know, it was our house then I guess. Yeah. And then we just run a long extension cord all the way to the crack shack and that house was abandoned for about say about five years. And then it was just um people random people would just be inside drinking and smoking, I guess, or do whatever. And we needed a place to practice our, our band. So we're looking at it we're like we could, you know, we could just kind of fix this place up board up the windows and see what we can make out of it. And it's kind of how it became a little venue-ish type of thing. Just got got the whole place out, um, board up the windows, put some card, uh, carpet on the walls. And we threw a couple, we would practice there, a place to practice. And then we're like, oh, we should go you know, try to throw a show here, just our, our friends. So we did. Um, maybe two, three shows or something like that. And some, some of our friends came over, some people came over and they kind of enjoyed it. And then from there, just got more bands to play. Can you name off some of the bands that played at the Crack Shack? I, I tried to make a list. Um, I um, asked for some help from some people to kind of make me remember. But some of the bigger ones, uh, of course, Link 80, The Slackers, uh, Total Chaos. They played there twice, I believe. Um, falling sickness, dysentery, and short round from Asian Man Records. Yeah, Jason Tin's band. Oscar from Epitaph, and a lot of the Planet X Records bands, like Operation Cliff Clavin, The Sissies, Devil's Electric, This Bike Is a Pipe Bomb, The Bananas, and it's a whole lot more that I can't remember. Do you do you remember? Um... Like, what was the first time that you started getting touring bands or booking touring bands or how that even started? Yeah, it wasn't an idea of ours. We uh, met this guy, and he, a lot of credit to him because he was the one that kind of started this whole thing. Um, we played a show out in a little place called Loop, Arizona. And we met a guy there named Ryan Singer, and he's a good artist out in um, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Anyway, we met him there, and... He lived in Tuba City also, so we kind of just hooked up with him. 
And then he said, Hey, can I throw a show there? I'm like, yeah. Okay. I'm gonna go get, um, I'm gonna go email some bands or call some bands up or write some bands. And then he wrote, um, Operation Cliff Clavin from Planet X Records. And they were the first out of, out of town band that came through and, and the place was packed and we were just like freaking out. Like, Whoa, this is kind of crazy and cool because we would, travel from tuba city down to phoenix area just to catch a punk show you know travel that far just to see a couple bands play how far is that from phoenix to to tuba city uh it's about three hour drive three and a half hours wow yeah 220 miles probably wow yeah and so he he was a person to kind of open that up and like whoa like i didn't know you could do that kind of thing. <laughs> it's a it's a small town. Like who would want to come to Tuba City and play shows here? You know. Yeah. Like so, how many people? Like, what was the population at the time of uh, Tuba City? Um, I think the population right now is probably twelve thousand. I'm thinking. Oh wow, that is yeah, that's way small. Yeah, the place only has um two streetlights, so like two actual streetlights in the whole town. So it's a pretty small town, and before this, they would have people would have shows there. Um, a lot of metal bands would play, and it was like metal shows at the community center or the auditorium, the high school auditorium. You know, they have shows there, and some reggae bands came through. And um, someone was talking about um, what was that one reggae band, ska band? Someone was saying. Uh, Bim Scala Bim, yeah, they 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 played there in like the mid mid eighties, and then they they liked it so much that they named their second album Tuba City. That's cool. Yeah, and it was just a lot of those, and we were just kind of like, man, we should go start bringing like punk ska music here or bands. So we started emailing and writing bands, and they showed up. It was it was pretty cool. It was nice. It was you know a lot of memories, a lot of good memories of that place. So can we can we talk a little bit about the first time you booked Link Eighty? Oh man, Do you remember that? Um, I yeah, it might have been me or one of my cousins, but we kind of everyone just kind of started emailing different bands, and they would tell me, "Hey, this band wants to come," and then we'll set up the show, start doing flyers and stuff. And I know, like, we got a a, a message from. Your booking agent, uh-huh. and this is where we found out what writers were. Yeah, <laughs> we're like, man, we don't even have, we don't have no money. You know, none of us. Well, we're some of us still in school, some of us unemployed, and I think we just left it at that. And I'm not sure what exactly happened, but I was down here in Phoenix, and then I got a message, and then I called back home, and they're like, "There's this band here." I'm like, what band? And they're like Link Eight, I'm like, no way! What? The? I was I was stuck down here that time, and I called some of my friends back home, and they're like, dude, those guys are in tuba. I'm stuck here. I'm trying to get back. I didn't have a vehicle, and I think myself and the bass player were here, or it might have just been me. I can't remember, but um, I guess. You guys helped set up the PA system and just started, some friends started driving around telling people that there's a band playing and they got a show going. 
<laughs> and I miss that. The way I remember it is that our our booking agent, Steve at Ozark Talent, had sketched you guys out by sending over a contract and it had like it wanted all these things like accommodations for us and like a writer and, and a guarantee. And I think that got to be too much. Like it just seemed like we were going to be assholes or something. And so, and so you, you just like guys just like skip town. And, and so we showed up and we're like, we drive in and so we first drive into Tuba city. And, and from what I remember, I don't remember there being sidewalks or maybe the sidewalks were covered in sand or something. Uh-huh. And then I remember there being a McDonald's. We went to the McDonald's. And yeah, I remember there being like two streetlights and then we we're like trying to figure out like what's going on with the show. And we finally, I think we finally got a hold of you on the phone and I think we like figured it out that like our booking agent had like <laughs> freaked you guys out and we're like, dude, we don't, we're already here. We don't need anything. Like we just want to play. And then it was like, oh shit. Okay. And so like one of your friends or somebody like, broke into the shack like through a window like pulled one of the boards off <laughs> and then like ran ran the like like opened the door ran the extension cord and we like set everything up and then i remember we were like well shit we're just it's gonna be like a you know a practice nobody's here but then they like rallied people and there was like a decent amount of people there when we played which was really dope and um but then, so I, I was like, that was, that was fun. And then I remember we came back the second time. And so then fast forward to the other show we were talking about. It was packed. There were so many people there. Yeah, yeah it was fun. That, that was like one of my favorite things to do was um, to, you know, make flyers and have them all printed out and go pass them around and put them up on windows and stuff. And I was like, like Mr. Out with like the flyers stuff. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I still I still have the flyer from that show. Nice. <laughs> Great show. Um the other thing I remember about so you you talked about we ran the one ex- you ran the one extension cord from the house nearby and uh the uh, and everything was running off of one outlet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and we just had one <laughs> lamp. I think we just had one light bulb on the stage and one in the back area where they sell merch or where the um the soundboard was mixing board. So at that point, our band had like really big amps. Like I was running, I think I was probably running a full stack. I had cabs on each side. <laughs> and then our bass player had an eight ten. And I just remember when we when we would hit start a song, that light bulb would dim. <laughs> it was it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, there was no, nothing. Uh, there was nothing professional about the whole. You know, it was <laughs> so punk rock and so amazing. I loved it. And I just remember the crowd going insane. I remember at one point somebody like somebody was crowd surfing and they were getting pushed against the ceiling and like dust was like falling down out of the ceiling of this place. Yeah. And then I also remember like, I think we were half playing on the floor, half playing on the stage. And there was like a good circle pit going. Like kids were like wilding out. And I caught somebody in the head with, with my, the headstock of my guitar. Oh man. Who's, who's wearing a hoodie. And they turned around and it was this girl that I'd been hanging out with earlier in the day who'd been like (laughs) pointing out, like, like introducing me to everybody and like showing me like how everybody was related. Like, Oh, that's my cousin or that person belongs to my, my tribe. Uh, And uh, (laughs) and I just remember she'd like turned and looked at me just 
just like, oh, like, what did I do? And I was just like, oh, my God, I'm sorry. <laughs> it was yeah, such man. a sick show. And I just remember walking around the outside of the venue and Falling Sickness, Falling Sickness must have just been there before us because every inch of that space was tagged by Falling Sickness. It, they were one of the first bands that came out. Um, them and Dysentery, I remember. Yeah, they're, man, that was a good show also. I miss I miss Falling Sickness. I wish they were still around. What was the time, like, when did you guys, you know, when you said that you started doing shows, practicing, and then doing some local shows and stuff, what what year are we talking? Um, 98 was when my band started just kind of practicing more and playing shows here and there. So I think it was in late 98, early 99 mm-hmm. is when we built up the, the we called it the crack track because everyone just is before that everyone would be drinking and smoking there and doing whatever. We just kind of call it the crack shack. And I think early 99 was when we had it pretty much set up. And February of that year was when the first um, band came through the Planet X records band. Mm-hmm. That's where it kind of started. And I went until I would say 2003 yeah, 03, I think Total Chaos was the last band to play there. And it, it was it was nice because when we first started, so there weren't no neighbors really around the area until like 2003. Then that's when the police would show up and say, you know, the neighbors are kind of freaking out and, you know, they want you to turn it down. But before that, we used to have shows and didn't have any issues with the local police coming by or anything. Yeah, I mean, it, it seemed kind of like, no man's land right there like you could it felt like you guys were just allowed to do whatever you wanted <laughs> in that space and it was so liberating and so awesome oh man it's fun I, I think we we stayed at your grandma's house either uh, probably the second time we played there yeah yeah i remember you guys stayed over and was hanging out with you guys in the van for a bit yeah and I, I remember i remember having fry bread in your house oh yeah yeah my mom probably uh, fried I just remember being just so stoked because I was so starving. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of years after we met, um, you know, some of my friends met um, Vic from the Slackers, and they would say, "Hey, you know, it's us from Tuba City." And he was like, "Yeah, I remember Tuba City. We'll never forget the Navo tacos. You know, we always remember the place because of food." And I remember we made Navo tacos for them when they showed up, and they enjoyed that. What's what's Navo tacos? It's like fried bread, um, kind of like a, um, a Taco Bell food that chalupa, but almost like a chalupa, but it's just flat. Yeah, it's just flat, and you just, you know, you can eat it like a taco, or you can just cut it up to pieces and eat it. So it's like fried bread, beans, ground beef, um, and the toppings, cheese, lettuce, onions, pretty good stuff, yeah. Man, they And they hungry. remember two city because... Of the Navo tacos. That's crazy that you had this, that you had the slackers in the same this space. Was was um, how did the audience? What was the re- reaction to slackers? Oh, they they loved it. They were pretty um, you know, a lot of my friends were into the slackers at the time, and they still are probably. But they got a pretty good crowd too, and it, everyone knew who the slackers was at that time around the area, so they had they had a good response and as pretty crazy to see them just hanging outside this rinky dink shack waiting for them to play i mean i remember that 
like I know you call it a rickety shack, but I remember it being kind of an imposing structure, like because it was like in the middle of this field, like just this empty field. Was there an abandoned car near it? I I believe so. I think there might have been a yeah a truck, and the car yeah a car. And so I just remember the first time pulling up to it, it just looking so desolate. And, and and all the windows are boarded up on this thing. And I just remember thinking like, what is going on? And then the show just being like the first show being great. Like even after all the, all the like back and forth of figuring out what was going on. And then the second show just being like one of my favorite shows of all time. Like, and just like for years after that, just like wanting to like figure out how to get back there. And like, I think like stalking you online, trying to figure out what happened to the venue. Yeah, man, I really wish you could have, you know, kept it going somehow, some way. What what happened to that building? Um, it's it's gone now. Um, it was just, you know, getting old and random people would be, you know, drinking in there or huffing spray paint or whatever, and it just. You know, just got old, and one day we just decided to tear it down. Okay. There's no use for it there, I guess. Yeah. In Defense of Ska will return in a moment. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What are you doing now? Um, I'm living in Tempe, Arizona, just working. And, you know, I play on a band, play with my band here and there, probably like once or twice a year when we can. Mm-hmm. I have a seven-year-old kid now and a wife, so kind of busy down here. And they're up in Tuba City, kind of hard to get, get with them. And I do a, not a lot, but just a little bit of a mixing for some bands and artists and it's like audio engineering mixing. So yeah. Still keeping in touch with that musical side of myself. Yeah. I've always noticed like every time I've checked in on you, um, it seems like you're doing something with music still, which is really rad. Um, what, what do you think? Why do you think punk rock and ska punk resonated so much with uh, the kids in Tuba city? Um, I'm not sure. Probably because it was different back then. It was just mainly, you know, heavy metal and probably country. Country really dominates the, like the, the outer Tuba city and the outside towns, a lot of country fans and heavy metal, pretty much those two. And I remember, you know, that's what I grew up on. Um, heavy metal and country. 
and then I found um, Operation Ivy. Then I found Green Day, then Rancid, and from there I just went into deeper into the Epitaph catalogs, Asian Man catalogs, and and then you know show it to some friends and they're like, oh wow, that's pretty cool, that's pretty different. And then we started playing um, shows, you know, playing our own a lot of um, um, cover songs from some of these bands. We play a lot of. We used to always play um, Link 80 at our shows. <laughs> oh, yeah? What did you guys play? Our singer at the time had a trombone. You know, he wasn't great at it, but he could kind of get that din, 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 din. Yeah. He kind of pulled that off a bit. So, you know, we played that. Oh, wait. Did he, did they hop up with us when we played at, when we played? Um, I don't. Remember, yeah. I mean, we did that a fair amount. Like when, like kids would come up to us and be like, "Oh, I know how to play one of your songs," and we'd be like, "Oh, which song?" And then they'd be like, "Oh, Verbal Kent," and we'd be like, "Yeah, okay." And we just have kids hop up because even if even if they weren't that that hot of horn players, it's like such an easy part that it's not a big deal. And our horn players, if they if they weren't good, would just blast over them, <laughs> <laughs> just drown them out. But um, I feel like somebody did that at Tuba City. Maybe not, but. I don't know. I can't remember if we were. I mean, it was a long time ago now. What, 20, 20, 21 years ago? 21 years ago. Jeez. Long time, man. Yeah. Was there, um, was there very many local bands in Tuba City? Uh, yeah. It might've just been us at the time. And Cameron had like two bands in Flagstaff. I had quite a few bands up in Flagstaff area, but Tuba City, I, it, for that yeah at that time we were probably the only band for like maybe a year or two or something something like that before that there was like some metal bands so the the biggest band that i know of that played in tuba city was fugazi i guess they must have played at the auditorium yeah the gray hills auditorium yeah i mean were you were you uh, like cognizant of like punk rock at that time when that happened or yeah yeah um um the band called Blackfire from Flagstaff, they were bringing a lot of um, um, punk bands into the reservation. I remember they brought um, Joe Ramone and the Resistance out to Tuba City before at the Grails Auditorium. That was pretty cool. They brought um, Maynard from Tool and Fugazi. I can't remember who else. But yeah, they used to, have some, they used to throw some pretty good shows up, up at the um, auditorium. A band called Blackfire, they bring a few bands out i was um reading about there was like supposedly some famous incident in tuba city in like the mid 2000s of glenn danzig going there and getting <laughs> punched in the face oh was that there yeah he got knocked at the auditorium yeah yeah gray hills auditorium yeah what do you know about that or were you were you around that um that day the atm machines went out I couldn't get money to get a ticket to go see the show. And I just remember people telling me afterwards, you know, Danzig got knocked out by um, Northside Kings lead singer. <laughs> that's that's that video I've seen, right? In that hallway? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. That's in Tuba City? Yeah, that was in Tuba City. Shit, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it's... 
Yeah, he'll never forget Tuba City. Dan's will never forget Tuba City. Now. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, Auditorium is a pretty good place to put shows on to. I remember um, we did a couple shows at the, you know, the Crack Shack, and we figured we said, if we should go try to throw a little bigger show up at the Auditorium. And so we got the help of a, the radio station manager who helped us um, get the place. And we had this band come out from Albuquerque. I think they were called 86th. And we had everything set up, the PA set up, and a couple of bands played, and people were coming in, more people showing up. And then a police officer came from the back, and so who's running the show? Uh, I was like, uh, I am. <laughs> and then he's like, you got to shut this down. I'm like, what? Why? And I guess the guys from 86 were out back smoking marijuana. Oh. And the, the they gave me ultimatum, like, you can't, you know, you can play the show but we're taking these guys in or shut down the show and these guys can just, you know, get out of town. I was like, man, all right, we're going to shut the show down. It sucked, though. Do you have a favorite Crack Shack show that you uh, were at? Link 80. Link 80, Total Chaos, and um, the Slackers. Those are probably the ones that stand out the most. And the first, um, Operation Cliff Clavin, the Sissies, when they first played there because that place was packed that we couldn't open the door. The door at that time was a different location. And the, there was that, a, a little room that we didn't knock the walls down. So the, the venue was a little smaller, but the place was packed and people were trying to get in and do I have to squeeze through the front door to try to get in because that was, that place was packed. And those are like the <clears throat> shows that I remember the most. I, I just love the image of the slackers playing in there. Like that just seems so amazing to me. <laughs> I mean, it makes so much sense for like punk bands to play in there, but like the slackers are like so cool. And just like them in that, like in that environment just seems like it would be surreal. Yeah. They had like taggings everywhere, carpet all over the walls. And, you know, we weren't carpenters. We just kind of just threw t- things together, <laughs> hammer and nail and just, you know, yeah, I mean, like, I was really surprised to learn that that was that was your home at one point because, like, that building seemed like it was just a thousand years old. Like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty old. And it, and I thought like maybe it was like a workshop or something at one point. <laughs> and I mean, like when I when I found out that I think I'd asked you at some point if the venue was still around, you're like, no, we we tore it down. And I just I just imagined the uh, the foundation still being there or something. Like, yeah, the foundation is still there, and you know. I go back home and I drive past by it every now and then. And I'm thinking about it like, man, had some good times there. Had some fun times. I've seen some good bands. Yeah. I mean, I, I always think about like places that, that, um, hold like a special, I don't know if you want to call it energy or whatever, but like, I've, I, I think if I visited that, that foundation of that building, I, it would be really moving to me. Like there's a few places that are like that for me. Like, um, the fireside bowl in Chicago is one of those venues that, that was really magical. Um, and I'd hold, I'd hold the crack shack, like right there next to it. Like we didn't play there <laughs> as, as many times, but you know, the, the two times that we did play there made a gigantic impact on me. Yeah. Yeah. So Adam, like, so 
you've played like a ton of shows as Link 80, like, you know, like dingy punk rock, you know, type of shows. Like, what was it about this venue or these two shows that was like, kind of elevates it to, you know, beyond some of these other punk shows that you played? I think it was just the community that was around it. I mean, sitting outside of the show before it started and just seeing all these kids roll in and like barely any white kids. Like, I think there was like maybe one blonde haired girl there. (laughs) And I just remember all these like, you know, dark haired, dark haired kids. Everybody kind of had like long, longish hair or crazy punk hair. And I just remember, I don't can't remember that. I wish I, do you remember that? Do you remember this girl? I, she was like a cheerleader. I, I, I kept in touch with her for a minute, but like I just remember sitting outside of the place, and she was super friendly, and she was just showing me like, you know, oh, I know that person from this family, and this person from this, and blah blah blah, and just the level of like connection between everybody who lived on the reservation uh-huh. was just like really, really special to me because it, it didn't seem. Like first there were just so many kids there already. Like so it was like a great show. But like usually a great show somewhere else where there's like a bunch of kids there, they would all be from different places and nobody none of them would know each other. Like all these kids knew each other. And it was like such a unified front. It was like half of them were probably like my relatives and the other half were friends. <laughs> yeah. And um and then just I mean, I feel like there was maybe one more band that played, but like the two that we talked about were the ones that really stuck out to me. And I also at the time was not watching a lot of the bands that we would play with because it was just, you're just burned out on it. You know, you're touring all these places and most of those ska punk bands you play with maybe aren't that good or, or you're just burned because you've been listening to bands nonstop. And I just remember that show, I watched everybody's bands. Like I was just like so floored. And it made us play way harder. Like, I don't remember anybody like coming away from that show being like, eh, whatever. Like, <laughs> I feel like we like, we like laid it down yeah, that was good. because I felt like we felt like we needed to. And then I just remember it take, I mean, the drive in and out of Tuba City, I felt like it took forever. Where'd you guys um, drive in from? I can't even remember. I just remember oh. like, feeling like i mean because this is also pre pre gps yeah pre-GPS. using you know don't even have map quest we're just using an atlas so we're <laughs> probably we're probably making wrong turns and stuff too yeah and everything yeah. just kind of looks the same because just desert <laughs> right uh, yeah it's just flat everything's definitely does yeah and it just and i remember it just feeling so much different than like tempe or or uh phoenix and also just the name Tuba City is so much, especially when you're in a ska band. <laughs> yeah. Like, where, where does that name even come from? I think it's, well, from what I've heard, it's named after a, a Hopi um, leader named, I think you say it, Tuvi or Duvi. I oh, think. so we're all, we're all mispronouncing the name of the town. No, um, um, it's called Tuba City, but it was named after um, a Hopi chief or a Hopi gotcha. leader named Duvi. Tuvi or Duvi. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. But that they said that, you know, they probably didn't write um, spell 
Tuvi or Duvi. So you just put tuba. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I only have one picture from when we came to Tuba City. It's a picture of our our bass player Adam at at our trailer and he's he's with somebody else. Uh, and he's I think he's trading him a t shirt for some weed. Oh, <laughs> I wonder who that is. I think I'll, I'll have to f- dig it out and send it to you, see if you recognize the dude he's with. But I just remember being so mad that that's the only picture I have <laughs> from Tuba City. That's the worst part about touring in that time period was that, like, you know, you had a 35 millimeter camera, you take maybe what 24 exposures or 36 if you get the mega roll. Oh, yeah. And then, and then you, you blast through all your photos and then maybe you don't have any more film. So like there's huge chunks of tour where I just have no pictures, man. And it bums me out. When you started doing these shows and stuff, were you just kind of like telling people like, come on, you'll, you'll enjoy it. Or were they, did they know anything about the music or anything about it? Yeah. A lot of my friends already knew a lot of these bands and they would, some of them would, um, you know, get in contact with these, some bands and they would tell me about it. So it, it wasn't just like me running the whole thing. I had quite a few friends that would be helping out here and there, like communicating mm-hmm. with bands or setting things up. Oh. But yeah, yeah, they 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 knew a lot, a lot of um bands and punk bands and ska bands, and they would tell me about some of these bands. Did you ever did you ever go to Tempe Bowl? No, never been to Tempe Bowl. Okay. I play. I just remember Link Eighty played a show there, and as we're setting up, I reached under. They'd built like a drum riser out of plywood. I reached under to grab something and cut my hand open, my left hand, like uh, on on like a screw, like a wood screw. Oh yeah. And I just remember like everybody was like ready to play. Like it was like <laughs> it was like the like the ten seconds before you're about to play. Oh shit. And I just grabbed a roll of duct tape and wrapped my hand and <laughs> okay, let's go. And play the set. set. <laughs> I just feel like that's the mentality of that that time period. I think that's probably why I also like the crack shack really resonated with me so much because it was just like it was obvious that it was just like carpet on the walls and graffiti everywhere, and it was just the most like punk rock, but like the most like perfect usage of like a, a situation. Like you were saying before, like for for the longest time, like the cops didn't mess with you guys. You could just kind of do whatever out there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, make make some really cool stuff happen. Yeah, man. If I knew what I knew now, back then, so unprofessional, a lot of things that we, you know, had everything set up. But it was fun, though. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely for sure. It was fun. When when the Crack Shack stopped being a thing in, in 2003, was that basically the end of shows, you know, punk shows, or did was there other venues that kind of popped up? There was not venues, but we started playing shows at outside my friend's yard, kind of on the other side of town of Tuba City, and I kind of moved over to that side, and you know. Cops will be coming by, shutting the whole thing down almost every time. And there wasn't no other places around there, but we started playing shows like during the fairs when they would have fairs and they have other bands come and we'd jump on the show. 
like in an auditorium or wherever. But yeah, so the shows there is community center, the auditorium, and the chapter house are the main places to have shows. No way. And now there's another place called there's a motel with a they have a little venue in there. A lot of bands are starting to play in there. But back then there was nothing and you know, we just if you build it they will come, kinda that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And and man. And I had no idea that it was even possible, you know. I mean coming from a small town like that, I'm like, who would want to come out here and play, you know, this place this place sucks pretty much. I think though that since it I mean it feeling so so much like it sucks, especially as like a teenager or like an early twenties. Yeah. Person like since there's nothing else to do, like the second there is something like rad to do, like everybody gravitates towards it. I mean, both, both Aaron and I grew up in Gilroy, which there wasn't anything to do there. And, you know, if, if a show got thrown, if, you know, we, we played a a barn with the hippos and, you know, it was packed out and that was, that was kind of like our scene. So like for me coming, coming from that, and then I think maybe that's probably why the crack shack really resonated with me. Cause it felt like a return to form for me. Yeah. Like, kind of yeah. playing these like spaces that weren't traditionally venues. I mean, I didn't play a venue until, until I was out of high school. And then it was like the cactus club, like three towns over, which was like a 21 and over bar that would have 16 and overnights sometimes. Cause they had a little kitchen. Cool. I think that, yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for coming on with us, Alex. This is, this is one of the coolest conversations I've ever had. I mean, I don't know if you <laughs> have seen all the posts that I've made over the years about the crack shack. Like it, it really means a lot to me that you put on those shows. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Thanks for coming out. You know, first time was kind of messed up. Second time was a blast. And I wish, you know, I wish I could have kept this thing going for a lot longer, but couldn't but it was fun those kind of places those like magical spaces like they always seem to just last for short periods of time yeah yeah and right when we stop having shows just before we stop having shows man we're just getting tons of email with bands coming through they'll say oh we heard from this band you know you have a venue there that we could play and i'm like man (laughs) sorry but it's gone now. I mean, it was, it was so fun. Thank you so much for listening to In Defense of Ska. If you haven't already, subscribe to my Substack at aaroncarnes.substack.com. And if you'd like to pre-order my book, In Defense of Ska, go to clashbooks.com. It releases on May 4th, 2021. And on that note, we leave you by saying, Ska, now more than ever. Thank you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... 
Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everybody. It's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian. And we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks.